it's great to be here with you all this evening. And tonight I want to talk to you about saying yes to God. And we're going to look at the father of faith in our series, Heroes of Faith. We're looking at Abraham tonight, reading from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 16. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Well, A-level results day was on Tuesday, and I wonder how many uh, new students will be quickly getting double-jabbed over the next few weeks in time to have their vaccine passports ready for Freshers' Week and beyond. But when I was applying for university, I was convinced that I was going to be going to Leeds. Anna knows, (laughs) she knows, although I didn't end up going there, which spoils the story slightly. Um, I grew up in Staffordshire in the Midlands, and so it wasn't the north of the country, but I definitely had an affiliation with northerners rather than southerners. My country very rarely strayed south of Birmingham. And I had to apply for five universities, and so I put uh, Leeds down for my first two choices, two different courses there, and a couple of backup options, Sheffield and Liverpool, and then On an absolute whim, because I had absolutely no idea where to put my fifth choice, I ended up putting London. I didn't tell my family any of this. Well, I told them about Leeds. I didn't tell them about that fifth choice at the time. Everyone knew it was Leeds all of the way for me. But over the next few months, I found myself daydreaming more and more about what it would be like to live in London. And even though I'd never been to an open day here, and I had no idea what the university was like, really, and no one else from my school was coming down this way, there came a point when I had to sit my parents down and say to them, just so you know, I didn't tell you at the time, but actually I put London down uh, as well, and I think I'd really like to go there. I probably wouldn't have said at the time that God had much to do with that decision, but I definitely had been praying to him about it, looking back and uh, asking him to guide me, and it was a big risk for me, a step of faith in many ways to say yes to to coming down here rather than doing what was expected by all of my family and friends. And being in London for university meant that I stayed in London afterwards for a job, and I started coming to St. Mark's, made some great friends here, and over the years, new opportunities, and um, just God has called me into new things. And 
All of that, I would say, wouldn't have happened. I can't see myself ever having taken a step to come to London if I hadn't come for university in that first place. And throughout our lives, God wants to direct us one step at a time into a life of blessing. This was certainly the case for Abraham, whose story begins in the book of Genesis, chapter 12, when God calls him to leave his home to go to a land which God says he'll show him. And God's call is accompanied by a promise to Abraham. Firstly, that God will make his descendants into a great nation. Secondly, that they will live in a God-given land. And thirdly, that they will be blessed by God to be a blessing to others. And by faith, believing that God is going to make good on his word, Abraham says yes to God's call. But Abraham doesn't receive the things promised as soon as he says yes to God. He begins this journey of faith, sets out and arrives in the land of Canaan, the land which God has given him, to find people already living there. It's like when you're catching a train and you've got your seat reservation booked, but when you get on the train, someone's already sitting in your seat. And you feel really silly asking them to move if there are you know, other seats available. And so you settle for one down the way. But actually that seat's like near the toilet and it's a bit smelly. And the whole train journey, you're staring longingly at the table seat which was promised to you by your seat reservation. Well, Abraham is far more gracious than me. He sets up a temporary home in Canaan, living in a tent without too much grumbling, uh, as far as we know. But he's still wondering how God is going to make good on his second promise of descendants, given he is 75 years old when God calls him, and he and his wife, Sarah, have never been able to have children. Well, they have to wait another 25 years until Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90 before their son Isaac is born. And then the ultimate test of Abraham's faith comes. God tells him to take his son Isaac to the region of Moriah and to sacrifice him on a mountain there as a burnt offering to God. And Hebrews 11, verse 17 says that he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Because Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Now, of course, we know that God provided a lamb for the sacrifice in place of Isaac at the end of that story. And it's really important to say, if it's a story we haven't heard before, that God detested the sacrifice of children. And we don't think he would have ever intended for a moment that Abraham actually sacrifice his son. But through the lens of the New Testament, of the Bible, we know and we can see that the purpose of Abraham's final call was to point forwards to the time of thousands of years later when God would offer up his own son, who he loved, Jesus, in this same region of Moriah, where the temple in Jerusalem was eventually built as the ultimate sacrifice to take away the sins of the world. What I love about Abraham is that 
throughout his life, he is able to say yes to God. Not because he's a yes man who has zero boundaries in life and he just can't say no, but because he has a deep conviction of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, and of God's power, which enables him to live his life, to make decisions, and to follow God's call with humility and confidence. You know, he's not perfect. He's, his faith isn't perfect. It's not this impossible ideal which we can never reach. He jumps the gun a number of times trying to force God's promises into reality, but he's remembered in the Hebrews' hall of fame for living by faith, for being sure of what he hoped for and certain of what he could not see, as the author of Hebrews defines faith for us. And don't we all want to be remembered for living like that? to be quick to say yes, to follow God's call, to step into his call and to embrace his promises, to live a life marked with humility and confidence because we're so sure of who God says he is. We're so sure of his faithfulness, his goodness, his power. And yet, why is it so easy for us to waver, to wobble, to find it hard to say yes to those small promptings from God, from the Holy Spirit when they come in our day-to-day lives. Those invitations from God to step out in faith, to take a risk, to make ourselves vulnerable, to put ourselves in places where we have to be absolutely dependent on God to show up. How do we say yes to God in those moments? Well, firstly, we need to leave the familiar behind. Hebrews says, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And God calls Abraham to leave his country, his community, his family, all of the things which um, are familiar to him, which his security and his identity are rooted in, in order to go to the place where God is going to fulfill his purposes through him. And in the same way, when God calls us, we have to leave the familiar in order to receive the blessing. This is the very essence of the call to follow Jesus. When we say yes and invite him into our lives, we leave behind our old way of living, the things we previously put our security and identity in, where we're from, what we do, how many friends we've got, how much money we've got. We lay these things down in order to receive an infinitely better identity as beloved children of God. We leave the familiar in order to receive the blessing. And it's probably the exception rather than the rule that God is literally going to call you to leave your home or your job in order to follow him. But it's true that for the whole of our lives as Christians, the whole of our journeys, as we follow Jesus and as we walk in step with him, that there are going to be invitations to step into new places or new practices, new vocations or new mindsets, which require us to leave behind what is familiar to us, what's comfortable to us in order to receive God's blessings. Now maybe God is calling you into something new at the moment 
however big or small. Maybe he's just asking you to spend more time with him in the morning or the evening. Maybe he's calling you to be more generous with how you use your time or your money. Maybe he's calling you to bless a neighbor or a colleague who you finally usually struggle to get on with. God calls all of us, and he's always calling us into new opportunities. But what do you need to leave behind in order to say yes to God? Maybe it's leaving behind what's comfortable literally, Abraham had certainly been familiar with a comfortable lifestyle in his past. He grew up in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans, which archaeologists say was one of the most advanced and sophisticated cities in the world at that time. You know, really nice homes by the sea. Sounds lovely. But he had to leave that comfort behind him. But God, he might be calling us to step out of our comfort zones in other ways too. You know, leaving behind old mindsets or thought processes or behaviors which are holding us back from stepping into God's purposes for us. One of my nice little comfort zones which I enjoy sitting back in a lot is, is observing rather than contributing in like large group settings. I don't mean, so when I'm on the stage, thankfully, otherwise this would be quite awkward right now. I'd be observing you all rather than contributing to the sermon tonight. But I mean in like meetings or you know, prayer gatherings or even when we go to the pub, I find it much easier to sort of sit back and sort of observe and take in the conversation rather than contribute myself. I'm very much an internal processor and it often takes me so long to think through what I, what I actually think or what I want to say that by the time my brain is there, the conversation has moved on. And someone uh, a few years ago on the staff here actually challenged me on it. They said to me, why aren't you praying in our meetings? We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your prayers. And I do think it's 100% brilliant to be an internal processor, to, to be slow to speak, to be the quiet presence in a group. But I've been sensing for me personally that God wants me not just to sort of sit back and be comfortably quiet in a room, even if what I end up saying isn't brilliant or inspired in any particular way, but that he wants me to say something because he wants me to use my voice and because actually he's calling me into places where I'm going to need to speak up for myself. What are your comfort zones that you might need to leave behind to be able to step into God's purposes for your life? To say yes to God, we first have to leave behind what's familiar in order to receive the blessing. And second, we need to believe the promise maker. God made Abraham a series of promises which seemed wildly unrealistic when looking at the reality of Abraham's situation. Not least having got to Canaan to find people already living there and him having to make his home like a stranger in a foreign country, it says in Hebrews, living in a tent, living in a tent instead of possessing the land which God had given to him. And there can be times in all of our lives, maybe you've experienced this or maybe you're even in this place today where we feel like we've said yes to God's call. 
we've prayed about a decision and we've given it to God and taken a step of faith, trusting that he's in the decision we're making. And we find that the outcome is not what we were expecting. You know, when we leave behind the familiar in order to step into something new, it'll often feel uncomfortable as we step out of our comfort zones. And that's absolutely to be expected. A bit like sleeping in a tent probably felt uncomfortable for Abraham, who'd come from the luxurious era of the Chaldeans. But I'm talking more about those moments in our lives when deep down in our hearts, maybe we don't voice it to anyone or to many people but we question and we start to wonder, where is God in this situation? Why did he call me to this place? Why did he bring me here? I can't see where he is or what he's doing in this moment. Did I make a mistake? Did I not hear him right in the call? And living by faith isn't meant to be just about having a positive mental attitude or a stiff upper lip when those times come, when the circumstances around us are overwhelming and when we can't see a way forwards. God wants us to be honest with him, to talk to him, to invite him to be present and to invite his presence into our struggles. Abraham was real with God In this time of waiting, he asked him in Genesis chapter 15, how can I know that I'm going to gain possession of the land you've given me? And he even tries to hold God to account. He says, you've given me no children, and so a servant in my household will be my heir. But Abraham also knew that reality is greater than just how we feel or how things appear. And he was convinced that the one making the promises was faithful and was able to do what he'd said he would do. In Romans chapter four, it says that Abraham believed specifically in the God who gives life to the dead and who calls into being things that were not, and that he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. And when we are fully persuaded that God is who he says he is according to his word, the Bible, it makes us able to say yes to God, able to say yes to his call, to the promptings of his Holy Spirit when they come because we're covered by the one who is faithful to his word and who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. When I started university in London, I was sure that it had been the right decision, but I really struggled to settle in for a time. Didn't feel like I fitted in with a lot of the people that I was meeting at first. They were um, really sort of super confident and sure of themselves, and I was pretty timid back then. And even over the years since, it's been up and down, and there have been times when I've particularly grappled with God as to why I sensed this calling to this place. You know, asking him, why on earth am I still here? Like, no offense to the Londoners in the room, but let me go back up the M6. Even at times saying to God, in the lowest moments, I feel like you've abandoned me in this place where I thought you were calling me to. 
but it's in the places of struggle and the times of waiting on God to make good on his word. That our faith is strengthened and our convictions are deepened because it's in those moments that we have no other option than to cling on to God. Cling on to his promises and cling on to our belief that he is good, our belief that he is faithful and our belief that he is able. To say yes to God, we need to leave behind the familiar and we need to believe the promise maker is who he says he is. And thirdly, we need to perceive the eternal. Verse 13 of chapter 11 says, all of these people, including Abraham, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Abraham didn't actually see all of God's promises fulfilled in his lifetime, but he was still living by faith when he died, fully persuaded that God would do what he had said he would do. And thousands of years later, God did immeasurably more than Abraham could have asked or imagined. Through Jesus Christ, in whom all of God's promises are always yes and amen, and through whom all people on earth could be blessed by God. Abraham didn't see any of that in his own time on earth. He only had to trust God and to say yes to what he was being asked to do. And we can be even more confident than Abraham that God is faithful and has the power to do what he says he will do because we live after the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, which was the ultimate demonstration of God's faithfulness and power. But we need to hold on to that eternal perspective. Tim Keller says that Abraham's faith was in the promise of a descendant. Our faith is in what God says one of his descendants achieved. And this is the promise which is to define our reality and to shape our lives. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in his resurrection, his victory over death. And we fix our eyes on him and on what he has won for us, an eternal inheritance Life with God forever, living under his blessing. We have no idea how it's going to change the direction of our lives when Jesus invites us or calls us to follow him. Or even when the Holy Spirit prompts us to step out in faith in some way, however small or insignificant that word or that calling feels, we are only asked to trust God and to say yes to the thing that he's asking us to do. Because when God calls us, it's always accompanied by a promise of blessing through Jesus. And we can say yes, because we know that the one who promises is faithful and is able to make good on his word, always. Amen.